Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velo Sews on social media. Welcome back to Sew Over 50 podcast on Sew Organized Style. Grab cuppa and relax with us. On Sew Organized Style podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Sew Over 50 podcast on Sew Organized Style. Sew Over 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Today's guest for Sew Over 50 podcast is Molly of at Mike and Molly's house. Thanks for being our guest today, Molly. Thank you, Maria, for having me. It's really nice to be here. I think it's really great that, you know, we've been able to coordinate time so that we can talk to each other while we're awake. You know, I started with I Love Australia. I've never been to Australia, but I feel like my heart is somewhere in Australia. We also have family there. And so I am really good with understanding the time change and when I can actually talk. And I'm a builder and I had a client who was from Melbourne. I was her rep here in the States, had to oversee her build of her house while she was in Melbourne. So I also got very used to the Australian time zone. Wow. Would you like to say hi to your family? Hi, Heidi, Alan, boys. Hi, guys. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) Eddie. (laughs) I think that's it. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. No, that's good. At least they'll be happy that you acknowledge them. That's- exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that. I wasn't even, yeah, you got me out of deep water on that one. <laughs> Look, it's a community podcast, so it's all good. Molly, what's it like sharing an Instagram account with Mike? I love that first question because we started this in 2008 and up until 2019, it was a shared Instagram between Mike and I. And then somehow my obsession with sewing got very deep. And he was like, honey, I love you, but I'm really tired of having to go through the feed and seeing just sewists. And he went off and in secret, at least for a day, I didn't know about it. He went and started his own personal Instagram account. Mm. So at that point, some friends were like, Molly, change the name. You're a sewist, you know, and I said, no, I really do. I still, it's not just about sewing on our feed mm. and it is about our renovations. It is about we're makers. We're doing different things, but it is still me following Michael around. Often you will see I'm behind the camera narrating. So I, I am the narrator. So I'm driving the ship and I'm following him around and he has one caveat. And that is just don't make me look like a jerk. So I don't have to get as okay when I post things as long as he doesn't look like a jerk. That's good criteria. Sure. He's a very simple guy. So it works for us. I mean, it's primarily me just walking around and catching him doing things, crafts or whatever he's doing and showing a lot of my sewing. And so how did you and Mike meet? So we met in 2002 and we met online. I don't know if they have this in Australia, match.com. I think they do. It was a popular dating site at the time. And we happened to live one hour away. You know, I basically accosted his feed or post or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just went right in and I was like, I have to meet you. And the reason I said that was because I was, was dating a little bit and it was fun, but 
I had a three-year-old daughter at the time. And I started reading his essay. And it was like, right now, uh, this is Michael, right? Essay. Right now, I am just taught myself how to sew. I went out and got a sewing machine because my three-year-old daughter is obsessed with princess dresses. And so I am just making her princess dresses. And I was like, I may not date you, but I need to meet you. So our first date was with our children. You know, we bought our girls together and it was shortly after. I mean, we, we immediately just like fell for each other. And within a year we were married and I decided to move up to Santa Fe where we live now mm-hmm. in Northern New Mexico. And so we met and we've always made stuff together. When they were younger, we made a lot of their clothes together and it was just a family activity. So tell me, did you both make princess dresses at the time for the children? My daughter was obsessed with dinosaurs and pirates. Mm. Yes, they both love plain dressing. So we made a lot of costumes. There was a lot of costume making. But, you know, he had made this mermaid costume for Hannah, my stepdaughter, that Velcroed shut on the bottom so she could kind of waddle around in it. And Sophia had dinosaur costumes. I have a grandson now, and I made him the same pattern last year for his dinosaurs. Because again, he's four obsessed with dinosaurs. So can I assume that you enjoy Halloween costume making every year? You should, but it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so funny because I was just listening to Teresa on your podcast talking and I know her. So she's like, oh, I just love making Halloween costumes. I don't really like, I mean, it's not like I don't not like Halloween. I just don't really want to go out. I don't know. No, no, I don't. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure Teresa knows that now. I think she knew, but now she really knows it. (laughs) How do you know each other? During the pandemic, I know I was feeling disconnected. I had gotten to know the sewing community and really loved them and was also getting on this path where I was hoping to do the travel to do these frock tales that we have in different cities. Yep. And right as that happened, the pandemic happened. And I kind of felt cut short. Like I was finally meeting these people because Santa Fe is a lovely artistic town. I have one sewing friend, but really I don't have a sewing community here in real life. So I made a post, I think in my stories, just reaching out and saying, hey, would anybody be interested in meeting like once a week online as a group? And we got a couple people, Teresa being one of them. And for probably two or three months, we would meet every Monday and it was on Zoom. And we would all just, we'd start with kind of what we were working on. And then we would literally just go sew. You could just hear the hum of the machine for like an hour. And then we kind of pop in and say, we also would choose a pattern. So we could all kind of help each other. And this was really good for me because I think there's always these moments where you think, oh, I'm thinking of everyone. I'm being so inclusive. And then someone will come in and ask you a question. You're like, oh, Lord, I wasn't thinking. And the reason I'm saying this is I had a man, Justin, who's also been on your show. And he said, Molly, I really want to be on your, I really want to be in your group. Do you think you would do some gender neutral? And I realized I hadn't even thought that way. Hmm. What we ended up doing was instead of a specific pattern, we were like, all right, I think our first thing was maybe jeans. And jeans are a great thing to do as a group because there's so many skills 
different skills that you you need to kind of work on. Yeah. One person might be really good at, you know, the zipper front and could kind of help out. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might be really good at pocket placements or flat felt seams, or it was a really good kind of group effort to do. And it was great. It lasted for several months. It was just a great way to feel connected in a different way to the Instagram community, which I, I know I love. And yet I also sometimes feel disconnected. And that's why sometimes I will just reach out to somebody I don't know and just say, hi, I like you. Can we talk? And for me, as long as I use my manners and no, and no they may not respond, you know, and be okay with that. Mm. I've been able to get some deeper connections with people. And that makes sense because when you're following a lot of sewers, because you love what they do, you see their feed and then Instagram will change the algorithms and then you've got to try and find them again. So it's good to reach out. It really is hard. I know they're just changing it to now you can pick your favorites. But I, I follow almost 900 people. I'm like, how am I going to? And that is one issue, I think, also with a growing feed. I am shocked how Judith and Sandy keep up. I feel like I am their only child. Yes. And I'll talk to others. So they're like, I know they really know me. And I'm like, they do that. It's amazing. It's an amazing gift they have. You know, most recently they've just celebrated having 40,000 followers on the Sober 50 account. So the fact that you've said that you feel like you're their favorite child it's a good testament to the work that they put into Sober 50. Yes. They did their live recently and I couldn't believe how many people I knew and, and not just, oh, I recognize the name, but who are participating on the live where I was like, no, 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 we've had several conversations. I could go on and on about Sober 50 community, but they've done a great job. Definitely. When did you learn about the Sober 50 community? I had still sewing, but not that much. And in 2018, I had a flare-up of my arthritis that knocked my head off, just blew me off. I had kind of stabilized it for the five years prior. And that year, I just kind of really struggled. And part of my coming out of it was, what can I do? And one thing I can do when my body really hurts is sit and sew. So early 2019, my friend, Christine, who's at BB Gucci here in in Santa Fe, she's so over 50 and she's so over 60. And she said, Molly, I I think you might really like this Instagram sewing community. And she wasn't even talking about so over 50 at that point. I think they were just starting out. So I started in early 2019 and I was like, I am going to really work on garment sewing. And I'm going to just work on improving my skills as a garment sewist. Something I had really never really focused on in all the decades before. And right about that time, you know, they kind of came up, maybe she said, though, there's a sewer for 50, but I felt like I was right there in the early days of sewer 50 and, you know, growing with them. And you've stuck with them. So that's wonderful. You know, the one thing, and I'm going to, this is another, I've not done a guest, is a guest editor? Yeah, guest editor. I really feel I should. 
because they've done so much. And so if anybody else is on the edge and feeling like, oh, should I should reach out to them and just, yeah, because they always, they need a break. I think that's a really good way to encourage listeners who are thinking of being a guest editor, just go ahead and ask. Just go ask. If anything from this whole podcast, I'm going to bring, just go ask, just go, just try. So you've talked about how you had a blog. And it was really about our lives. Yeah. The bigger thing that we were doing at the time was we were paying our massive credit card debt down. Michael is a quiet soul, but he's a powerful soul. And I think a lot of people, when they meet us, they're like, Molly's kind of loud and she's like she must control him and I'm like no 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 the man is a few words and he's really good because he will propose an idea and suddenly I will have gone from like that you've got to be crazy so his idea was this we had all this debt he was working part-time I was working full-time we weren't making a lot of money we had two young children and he said let's live on half of what we make and I said you're insane because we can't even make it on what we're making together. He said, no, 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 no. I think we can do this. We're going to make it fun. And soon enough, I mean, I was, it was painful in some ways. And that's what started the blog was my journaling of this is a little painful. And yet I cannot not stop doing this because immediately we were paying down these credit cards, just one after the other, after the other. And within three years, our debt was gone. And it was exciting. And we had pushed ourselves garden-wise, eating out of the garden. I suddenly had become a chicken farmer and was processing my own meat, growing the chickens, growing the eggs, doing all these things that were just, as artists, it was exciting. It was like another project, another Mm. art project. And so um, that's what the blog was really about. And once we kind of came to a hum, we were like, well, it was taking a lot of time. We were at that point, both working full-time. It was like, this takes a lot of time and energy. And that's how our interests go anyways. It kind of, you know, we were like, ah, so we, we shut that down. Going back to Mike's original idea, do you think that the reason you both made the commitment and did the work to pay off your debt was because he also said, let's make it fun? Absolutely. And at that point, there was also a community similar to the sewing community who were kind of doing the same thing. So it became a very support oriented thing. Anytime somebody would come in or one of either Michael and I would have a downtime where we were feeling grouchy about it, the other one turned into the cheerleader. Good. And I think because it was happening so fast, we were watching this go down so quickly even if it was painful, it was still just so exciting. I, I could not not do it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I feel even as you get older, finding new things that you didn't think you would ever do is all that much more exciting when you're whatever, 50, 60, 70. Steve Heller was on, what was he, 70 when he started sewing? Yeah, for the last three years. So he would be, I, as you said, inside the 70. There's an excitement to that too. It's like, I learned a new craft. I learned something new. So if they're thinking, oh, I can't do that. What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Like I had nothing to lose, not trying to get out of debt because we also made the deal that we could stop at any point if one of us wanted to. So we had that 
open door. And, you know, we just had that kind of relationship where we, we trusted each other. So it, it worked. Thanks for answering that follow-up question. I think it's always interesting to hear how people work through the issues that they are faced with in their everyday life. Yeah. Is sewing something that you started more recently or have, did you learn when you were younger? I did learn when I was younger. So I'm 53. So I was a child in the 70s and 80s. I'm white, middle class, and I grew up with, my parents were, I, I called them mod hippies. They were working class, but they were into everything crafty. My dad macrameed, my mom sewed. We were taught how to needlepoint. I had to ask my mom recently, when did I actually sew? Because in my mind, it was like nine ten. She's like, oh, no. Now her follow-up was, it was college. And I was like, well, I know that's wrong because I actually remember sewing a lot right before I went to high school. So this would have been 12, 13 year olds. Yeah. And I did try a couple patterns. In my mind, I was like, oh, they were so unsuccessful. But one of the first patterns I did was the burrito method. It was like a, a little pinafore and it's a great dress there's a painting of it that a friend did. And I'm like, that was a complicated, now that I'm looking back that I'm doing so many, many patterns, it's like, that was actually complicated. I think I got frustrated. I didn't understand how to follow instructions. And that was the one thing my mother did say. She sewed our clothes when we were children. And she says, I just looked at the pictures. And so I never had somebody really showing me how to do it. My sewing going forward was self-drafted patterns and now again in retrospective I see it kind of limited me because we didn't have YouTube I didn't know how to read technical books Michael on the other hand he reads technical books he just loves them I get so confused I'm not understanding what they're saying I think the whole thing with YouTube and the sewing community with their tips and has enabled me three years ago to go forward and be successful at now following patterns. Okay. So I rarely do any self-drafted clothing anymore. You've done a lot of work to go from how you used to sew to how you are sewing. And now that's opened your opportunities to make all sorts of clothing. All sorts of clothing. I would have never thought jeans, suit jackets, things that I would have considered complicated. I now love to go try a welt pocket. I may still have to watch the YouTube video mm-hmm. on the welt pocket, but I love it. It's fun to do. I might make several pairs of pants at a time. So by the third one, I, I'm like, a remember, but I'm about to make jeans again. I haven't made jeans in probably nine months. I'll go back to the YouTube or wherever the videos and I'll, I'll go through it. Now that you've been in the sewing community online and connected with a lot of people, have you done any pattern testing at all? I have. Before 2019, I had never heard of indie patterns. Mm -hmm. Or if I had seen them in the store, I didn't understand that these were indie patterns. The big thing was I could follow them. I understood them. Indie patterns is actually telling you how to make the recipe. Where I feel like the big four assumes you know some of these techniques and is basically like, 
and then just go put the zipper fly in. And you're like, but how? And I'm being a little extreme, but I, that's how I feel the two different, the two big differences are, is indie patterns really take you through every step. So it was very exciting to find out. And then the more exciting to be like, and they want pattern testers. <laughs> if you're thinking of wanting to pattern test, please do. And I know saying that some people are like, Molly, that I have, I've, you know, put in my name and I never get picked. Just keep trying because what happens often is once you get with a pattern designer, they will want to keep coming back to you. Yeah. You're a known entity. They know what you are going to bring because every pattern tester is going to be approaching what they can offer differently. What I think I bring is the ability to let them know if I can actually understand their instructions. And I don't pick up instructions very well. On that spectrum, you know, I may tell them, this is somebody who, you know, I really have a hard time understanding text. If you were not to give me any diagrams, I would have a hard time following this. So they may not make the changes all the way to make that clear, but it gives them a place to understand that they may get questions once they publish it from people and where they're coming from. And they'll be like, oh, that's a Molly out there. You know, Mm -hmm. I understand. I just need to take a little more time with them. I'm really there to say, I can't get through this or this was awesome. That really worked. You are seeing if it fits, you know, you do want the pattern to fit you. It's good to know that when you've taken on the role of a pattern tester, that the designer gets a specific part of that test from you. And I think as a pattern person coming in, that's, you know, being very upfront because maybe not all pattern designers want that. They may want something else. And so I think being upfront, letting them know. The other thing is I will not pattern test for a pattern designer anymore unless they the size is going to have at least a a 60 inch hip or more. Yep. So a lot of people are getting into the big puffy sleeves at the moment, because that seems to be a style trend. I love the big puffy sleeves and the ruffles. I say I don't self-draft, but I actually make my own sleeves Mm -hmm. and kind of put them in my patterns. And so if I want to hack a hack a pattern or whatever I can I'm like oh I want that sleeve and again going back to you know being a kid in the late 70s and 80s I feel like I am remaking my wardrobe from Mm -hmm. 1979 and I am okay with that I feel good about it I feel excited I'm like you know it's I make it with different fabrics but I'm just like this is fantastic great and I'm a tall woman so I'm just like I have a lot of hair it's like anything that can like compete with the hair I'm fine with just like, just keep getting bigger. I could be buried in fabric and I would be fine with it. My little glasses just sitting out like, hi, I'm here. So is that what influences your style choice? Whatever can compete with your hair? (laughs) Yeah. I never thought of that, but yes, I think that is. Okay. I haven't had my hair long in a long time and I dyed it red from the time I was 13 until 50. And I started growing it out. And I'm like, it's kind of grayish brown. Had a little bit of an identity crisis. Because I was like, I'm so, I think Michael had an identity crisis for me. They all did. 
but now I have it and I'm like, I just keep growing it. Cause I'm like, when is it going to stop? And I'm just, it's like its own thing now. That's great. <laughs> Do you have a favorite fabric that you always end up buying? Oh yeah. And I can see, okay, let, I'll tell you who it is. So it's Ruby star. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do they have Ruby star in Australia? In um, Canada, in England, in the UK? I don't know. Let's just keep going with Ruby Star. Okay. Ruby Star, and they have different designers. And my two favorite designers are Rashida Coleman Hale and Melody Miller. And I was just at the fabric store the other day, and I will be walking in the door, look across the room, and I'm like, I really like that fabric. And sure enough, I walk over, and it's usually Rashida's. And so I have several things of, of theirs. I think a lot of people think of them as a quilting cotton, mm-hmm. although they do make some other things, but they're just, they're fabulous prints, designs. I just love them to death. Molly, thank you so much for contacting me on the podcast to be a Sober 50 guest. It's been great to hear your story and to connect with you thank you maria thank you for having me on i really appreciate it i love your podcast so i was very excited i love your instagram feed and i'm going to keep looking at what it is you create yeah well thank you i appreciate it and thank you again molly of mike and molly's house will be back to discuss how she manages to sew while living with chronic pain Remember to direct message Salva50 on Instagram to volunteer as a guest editor. This episode for Salva50 podcast on Solganized Style was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Molly, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Solganized Style podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sew Over 50 podcast archive to hear from your Sew Over 50 friends. If you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>